Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. First, a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast episode is brought to you by Amazon Web Services. Come support the mission in a bold new way with a career at AWS. Explore opportunities at amazon.jobs slash AWS. Hello, and welcome to this episode of ClearedCast. I'm Katie Keller, Editorial Communications Manager with ClearanceJobs.com. And today I have our fearless editor of the news site, Jill Hamilton, aka Jilly Ham. If this is your first time tuning in, I love calling her my Jilly Ham. <laughs> so thank you for joining us, Jill. But today we're going to be talking about everything virtual. So virtual job seeking, virtual onboarding if you're an employer, working in a virtual environment. You know, it has been, we're coming up on that earmark since mostly everybody has been working virtually in some capacity. So I thought it was a very timely subject. Jill, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Love being here. It's definitely a timely topic. I've been sifting through my mind recently, like, okay, this time last year, everybody was kind of going into planning mode. How can we take everything home? It's interesting to think about that now. We'll see if we've actually learned something. I actually just shared a meme on the clearance jobs, I I think, across all of our socials because I thought it was so funny. But it's Brian Cranston, you know, and his young, you know, happy self and then his breaking bad, you know, psychotic self (laughs) almost. And it's, you know, a year into the new normal. And has anybody really gotten used to it? I mean, what are your thoughts there if we could start there? I think there are elements that people have gotten used to. I love all those pics of uh, me then, me now, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how how it's actually how it's actually going. Because there are elements of that. I think there's just a lot of things that are just harder to do, or just you have to rethink Mm. what you're doing. But I think as a whole, there's a lot of good things that came out of it. I'm sure we're all ready for, you know, the virus to go away, for the vaccine to be out, you know, all those different things, the masks to come off in so many different places, like, that will, I feel like, when you are face to face, make a huge difference, you know, but, but some of those virtual aspects that we've added into our normal life as well as, um, you know, into our professional life, I hope they stay. And I Mm -hmm. hope they, I think it's forced people to get a bit more creative and a little bit more flexible, something that we're not always great at doing in the defense industry. Had they tried to implement telecommuting, like it's long talked about, without something like a pandemic, it probably would have taken a long time and there would have been a lot of disgruntled employees. But because it's in a situation like this, a silver lining is a lot of things just flew into place rapid fire and people were actually understanding of home life, work life balance. Everybody's in it. Yeah, (laughs) no, exactly. I feel like we're all going to be taking the masks off, shaking our hair, like so excited to get back to whatever this, you know, uh, we had the new normal. Now it's going to be the new ish normal. Let's get into some virtual tips for our candidate audience, you know, thinking about tips for job seeking in a virtual environment. Coming from a recruiter standpoint, you know, recruiters were already working from home. I would say most recruiters in some capacity, they do have the capability to do that. Even in the defense contracting world, one of my tips is always just be mindful of a recruiter's time. So that's getting to the point when it comes to your pitch 
talking about a few of your top qualifications, what you're looking for, and not that, you know, just come on, take a look at my resume or my profile, because that's super frustrating. You've been a job seeker, Jill. Would you have any from your expertise in reporting on the news site on what candidates should be doing in this virtual job seeking environment? I think the interesting thing with a lot more being virtual is it removes a little bit of the barrier of just cold calling people. Sure. You know, I think that when we had a lot more face to face, you know, our networks were smaller and this, uh, our networks are a lot bigger. So it's just not as odd or awkward. Most social interactions are, have a level of awkwardness that mm-hmm. <laughs> half the time we don't want to deal with, but it, it reduces a lot of that awkwardness. I've had people specifically reach out to me and be like, Hey, especially like if there's a transition in politics or whatever like that, but they still have a clearance any ideas of who to connect with or things like that, like that's just not as awkward as maybe it once was, especially because you're not having a face. Usually we wait for a face-to-face conversation. We can kind of feel it out, see how they're going to respond, those types of things. You don't get to do that anymore, but neither does anybody else. (laughs) So I think that that equalizes the playing field a little bit. So using all those networks and just cold calling people or cold messaging them, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. uh, if you will, isn't awkward. And you can do that. But I think to your point, I think it's helpful, like specifically asking what you want them to do for you, being very clear. I think that's where we get ignored when we're not very clear in our requests. Not that you're never going to get ignored, but people do have limited time and we're fitting in a lot of things all throughout our day with family and work. Mm -hmm. So when people can be very specific, that's super helpful. And there are those contexts you might have that can like, you can shoot them an idea and they can kind of think things through for you, your resume, all those mm-hmm. types of things. But by and large, when you're cold calling somebody, you, you do need to be very specific. Sure. Well, and you know, it's, especially from a stranger, when I get one of those long, 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 long messages from a stranger, I'm like, I don't know if I have the time to read this. And then you push it to the side when you do have time, but naturally, you know, folks are going to forget about it. So, you know, coming Mm -hmm. from a candidate, if you want to be memorable, but you want to get a a message read, you need to be clear, concise, and to the point. So that's certainly a tip. Uh, But in terms of virtual interviewing, you know, we're all, you know, experiencing some Zoom fatigue. Keeping, as we're doing on this video podcast, you know, keeping on with I'm listening and, you know, some of those mannerisms that may feel awkward in a virtual environment that you would naturally do when you're physically with someone, continuing to do those because it does show, you know, to a recruiter as a candidate that you are engaged. So any tips that you would have in that regard? One of the things that's helpful is to close down all extra applications. I know that sounds real simple, but like, I think any distractions, because like if somebody's talking in a virtual environment, my attention span can quickly switch to something else or just catches my eye. And then I'm only listening. I'm not listening with my whole head. And then I, they ask me a question. I only answer half of the question. Mm -hmm. And then I start to see these eyes, like, as I'm closing out emails, (laughs) I'm literally closing (laughs) out all my emails as you're trying to answer my question. a great idea. Click, 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 click. <laughs> I mean, I usually have like 30 tabs open on mm-hmm. three different, bra- on three different browsers. Like each has that. So like my being online a lot and doing the work that we do, like I find my attention is hyper divided. So it's always a constant battle for me. I think there's just something that in a face-to-face interview, it forces 
almost all the other distractions away except for the person that you're engaging with. Sure. And in the online world, all of those distractions are still swirling all around you. And so it takes a little bit of extra, like just doing some practical things, but also mentally preparing yourself to like completely listen to the question. You can even pause, blame it on internet connection if you need to. (laughs) (laughs) Like pause on a beat before you respond, you know, because that's what's going to make you stand out in the interview too. The nice thing about doing a virtual interview is that you don't have to, you know, living in the DMV area, pay for parking or find an open parking spot. You don't have to battle traffic, you know, anything in this area that should only take like 10 minutes to get to in normal times would have taken 45 minutes to get to there, then figure out parking. There's just a lot of anxiety and stress that can get eliminated. But then there's a technology side piece that if you don't work out to make sure that you have the right settings, it can be a lot of stress on, you know, just setting up the interview and whatever platform they're using. So I think those things take less time, I think the technology piece, but just don't ignore them just because you don't have to drive somewhere, find parking, navigate, sit in a chair waiting for somebody to come see you, (laughs) all those types of normal things that we used to do. So your preparation is just going to look a little bit different, but it is a little bit less stressful, I think. So. No, I, I would agree. It's it's just different. So moving on to sort of the virtual onboarding environment, I know that that was a pretty big transition for a lot of defense contractors. I've actually came across a few within our clearance jobs network that have been virtual, you know, this whole time before the pandemic. So they had sort yeah. of a leg up. But I know that's something that companies may have had some growing pains with when it comes to onboarding new employees, getting them up to speed. So tell us a little bit about, you know, because with clearance jobs, we've been remote. So tell us a little bit about your experience in virtual onboarding and what you think worked so well. Communication, I think, is the biggest component. I think where most companies go wrong is they think the employee is not going to care or they don't need to know about this. And I get it, like the information dump, I mean, it's not intended as an information dump. It's intended as like, you know, but it can, it can get received that way. Like that can be hard, but you can always go back to those emails or those meetings. I think it's just a balance between something is coming across written form, like varying the mediums that it comes across, you know, like sometimes it's a live meeting, like we get assigned a buddy. So I had a couple buddy check-ins with somebody who is in a different part of the company. I can ask different company level questions, not necessarily here's my day-to-day process question. For me, I'm a more day-to-day, like how do I hit the ground running? So sometimes that's a helpful push for me to take a step back and see the bigger picture of the company and the buy, like get the buy-in for that. But yeah, I think a lot of those things really come down to communication. Anytime you hear your employees say, we didn't hear about this or we didn't know about this, that should raise a little bit of a flag, like, or even your project members, like if your project team members, you know, taking it down even like a smaller step and you've just brought somebody new on a, on a program, over communication is always going to be better than under communication. I just think like it's annoying to have a ton of meetings because you, but you can always skip them. You know, you can always be like, hey, are we cool? Let's do this some other time. But at least if they're there, then it forces more communication throughout the week. So that can help. You mentioned a good point, sort of mentioning which meetings are optional and which are required. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a great idea. And then mixing the mediums. Like I said, everybody has Zoom fatigue. So if it can be an email, certainly make it an email. If a phone call makes more sense, do a phone call or just an audio call. 
another one of the tips from the virtual onboarding white paper that Clarence Jobs released in the last couple months is onboarding for a year and not just, you know, that first day. So, you know, during month one, having those 15 minute virtual coffee chats with separate team members, sending like a snack or a swag box, like, hey, welcome to the team. We know this is weird, mm-hmm. but here's something to help. Um, and then month two, yeah. sort of extending it and, you know, keeping that, extending that timeline just so, you know, new employees don't get fatigued, which it, it can be overwhelming, mm-hmm. certainly for a new company yeah. in a virtual environment. Yeah, I think retention is a long-term practice, especially virtual virtual work here. And it and as I think as more and more companies take on this practice of virtual work, you won't always have an advantage over others because you offer it. You know what I mean? Like a competitive advantage for keeping your candidates. So like I think retention in the virtual world is going to get a lot more important piece to look at. So no longer is it good enough just to offer virtual and remote work, because that is something that people are interested in. And that can be give you a competitive advantage as an employer. Now it's going to be, how do you still retain people even when you've gone virtual and they don't feel like they're all alone? Because they could also pick other companies soon if they wanted to. So, Well, and I'm wondering how much harder recruiters jobs are going to get in that way, because what you already thought was so competitive and you do have that leg up, like you offer a virtual environment for at least some virtual work for classified programs. Yeah. Now it's like, well, everybody does. So how are you going to keep like, people in? <laughs> dang it. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, those poor yeah. recruiters. I loved my time recruiting, but, you know, it's a tough gig. It's a very competitive, it's one of the most competitive jobs, I think, in defense or national security, just because you have high expectations with sometimes not a lot of resources. So. But we'll see. So let's end off this chat with virtual working from home tips. I have a few of my own, but what are yours? Because I know that you have kids that are homeschooled. You also have activities that you're doing. You have a family, you have family that also works from home. So tell us some of your Mm -hmm. tips, Jill. Having your your calendar, I mean, that's part of being mobile. You get to put, you know, you put stuff on your phone. And so my personal calendar can be there. And then my work meetings will come in. So it just, it makes things, I know that sounds super simplistic, but seeing a bigger picture of like everything, because honestly, everything overlaps. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, I've never been a really super compartmentalized person. My husband tends to operate that way a little bit more. But for me, there's just overlap everywhere. <laughs> it's a bit messy. So so this feels probably more normal for me than some other people who like to have things compartmentalized. But I think that's like, that's a good thing to notice about yourself, like what your personality is and how you tend to like things. So if you need it compartmentalized, blocking off certain work times and certain personal times will be key. Like just stepping away and going to do other things and knowing you have that time. Because for most people, the world's not going to stop, <laughs> you know, when you step away for a couple hours. And if something's really critical, I mean, you have so many ways for people to get to you, it'll be fine. But like, I think having that freedom to step away, because I think the other thing too, is that we like to call these the, the flybys when you're in the office and you just have a real quick question. So we call them mm-hmm. the office flybys mm-hmm. <laughs> where you just drop it and you're, you walk by somebody's office, you hope that they look up which stops them from their work. And if they, if they look like they acknowledge you, like, I just have a quick question. And usually those quick questions are like 20 minutes. Like it's partially why people say you're more productive when you're at home. Mm -hmm. What it does is it gives you almost like this, not a barrier for people to get to you, but like 
it just kind of gives you a little personal measure where you can put up where if it's critical, they can let you know that and you can stop what you're doing and respond. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, I'll be with you in 15 minutes, which is a little bit harder to do when you're face to face, but easier over text messaging, I think. Mm-hmm. And then that forces the other person to like actually think, what am I actually checking in with this person for? Like, what am I stopping their work? <laughs> Uh-huh. to talk with me about, you know? So I just, I think there are some things that it forces us to do to be a little bit more organized in how we interact with each other. You know, you miss out a little bit on the collaboration sometimes, but, you know, I think a little more efficiency sometimes too. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Certainly with any sort of messaging tool that companies use, it is easier to be like, oh, that's not, you know, time sensitive. I can hold off on that for a little bit. Uh, yeah. But what, you know, one of the things that I sort of, I loved about working from home pre-pandemic was being able to, you know, do certain things or certain tasks from home. And then if I needed to get away from for a little bit or have a change of scenery, like when I'm writing, I would love to go somewhere else and write. So that's something I loved pre-pandemic. And then when everything shut down, I was like, well, shoot. <laughs> now I have, right. I'll just have to, you know, go outside with my computer. But no, that, just that's just four walls. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> walls are closing in. No. Um, but that, that is one thing that I, I do like about working from home now. Now that certain, you know, some states are starting to lift restrictions, being able to just have a change of scenery, even if you are just going to a coffee shop, that's something that I find helps me, like you said, compartmentalize a little bit. That's compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. my tasks a little bit. So that's one thing I enjoy to do. Yeah. Well, so any closing thoughts for, you know, folks as timeframes are still a little bit up in the air? We're not quite sure what's going to happen, but we're a year into it. We've learned some things. It's 2021. We're going to keep moving forward. Any closing thoughts for our listeners today, Jill? I think the main thing is going forward is just communication, being transparent. Like all of our lives are overlapping with personal and professional. And, you know, it's not like you have to like share everything that's going on with your coworkers. But sometimes I think it helps them understand why you might not have gotten back to them or like, it's okay to like have a little bit more overlap of our lives together, you know, because we are like that whole person concept, you know, we, we have other things that are impacting us and pressures on us and things like that. And just being flexible with each other and flexible is like, as things open up, I think it's going to be a little bit I mean, there are some offices that are already, they have to be back. That's just, mm-hmm. that's what has to be done. Or there are still split schedules and things like that. But then as all as restrictions end at some point, they have to, right? <laughs> I think it's going to be a whole nother management of like, okay, now what is this going to look like? Because there's going to be all those people that are like, and I'm back in the office 100%. I'm done with this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of it out there. And other people are going to be like, yeah, I hated my two hour commute, especially in the area that I live in. Like I've had conversations with people that they're like, I don't want to go back to commuting just for a meeting. Like I don't understand. So I think we're going to have to uh, be flexible and sometimes go back in and then make our case without being, you know, a whiner about it. And then maybe start to see some of the things that we've experienced this past year start to implement as actual practice. Sure. So. Well, yeah, a year into the new normal, we did adapt, but we do need to continue to remain agile within the industry of national security because things are going to constantly change. And I'm excited to see how we handle the next year. But thank you so much, Jill, for joining me today for this episode of Cleared Cast. If anybody has any topics that they want us to cover, please send us a note at editor at clearancejobs.com. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. To learn more career advice, you can visit news.clearancejobs.com. 